All right. I'm so happy to have Joseph Newberger, 640 Toronto legal analyst, criminal lawyer on the show. Joseph, good to have you on. I think I would love to start off where uh, the last segment left off, talking about the O'Leary case, if we could. Do you think that this case is um, is is basically a standout case for maybe uh, the idea of bringing court TV to Canada? I hope not. I mean, you know, I mean, well, from my perspective, it'd be kind of fun. But, you know, what's so good about our court system in Canada is that it's not at the influence of public opinion. So when you look to the United States, which I have great disdain for, when we watch charges that are laid, prosecutors make comments uh, on public TV, and then there's groups that are protesting and all sorts of stuff happen, you realize that on those higher profile cases, the ability to get a fair trial in the United States is really ruined because the trial has already occurred in uh, the media. You've got the court of public opinion, and I think you know it's very difficult to get a fair verdict in the United States and seek justice for either the complainants, the victims, or an accused. I really do not want to emulate the United mm-hmm. States in any way, shape, or form. It is not something we should look forward to. But based and, on the calls that we just got, Joe, I mean, they're, yeah. the court of public opinion, some people are already uh, looking at uh, the O'Leary's and already trying them, you know, in their mind yeah. without all of the evidence in front of them. I mean, isn't that an argument for court TV so that you can actually hear both sides present their legal argument on what happened? Yeah, I mean, we've we've had an experiment with it. So we know that, you know, we, we you can watch the Supreme Court of Canada. Um, we've had uh, cameras in the Court of Appeal when um, Aidwick were dealing with cases, you know, that's the Association for Wrongfully Accused, were dealing with cases where there was a wrongful conviction to be overturned. So, you know, maybe in a measured way we could do it, um, but we still have to be very careful about mm-hmm. once the TV cameras are in a courtroom, and we do have now people who are tweeting out of court uh, from the media and it's going on social media. We have to be very careful and ensure responsibility that it's being reported accurately. And I'm not trying to cast aspersions on anybody in the media business, but we have to be careful that there's no spin on it and it's right. accurate. Well, and, and that's and, what I was trying to do by reining in callers in the last segment. Yeah. Look, I don't know what happened on that lake. I'm not willing to say who was where and how because I don't know. I don't have all the evidence. Is it is it concerning to you as a criminal lawyer or as a lawyer in general to hear people making leaps like, you know, a hypothetical situations on this is what happened at the dinner party? You're kidding me, right? Yeah. You weren't at that dinner party. You have no access to the testimony from the people that were at a dinner party beforehand. You weren't on the lake. You weren't in the boat. Does that make you nervous um, that people maybe, and I think there is something to be said for people trying people that are rich in the court of public opinion. Yeah, I was listening very carefully to you, and God bless you, you were doing a very good job with it. Oh, good, because I was really worried about, you know, the O'Leary's launching something on me because I let something slip. But if you think I'm no. good, that's great. No, you were doing a good job, and you're saying, you know, you can't vilify somebody because they're rich and they want to mount a defense. And you're mm-hmm. absolutely right. And and this this happens all the time. You know, there's a press release and somebody's accused of a sexual assault or a domestic assault, or it's like Mr. Fortin, the General Fortin, who's ousted from his position for some allegation from 30 years ago. And you've got public opinion everywhere about how somebody's guilty before they've even hit a trial. There's no due process. All of this worries me very, very much. And, you know, I agree with you that if if there would be a, you know, a way that we could have courts 
you know, be exposed to media uh, in a more transparent manner and have cameras, but then not have the act, the players in the courtroom, you know, pander to that type of process. You know, people can't help but think that they're on TV and what's going to happen and how it's going to impact how somebody testifies or how a lawyer acts. You know, that we might have that transparency. But I also agree with you that people love to vilify people if they have money and they're defending themselves or love to vilify them because they're charged with certain offenses. And that's just wrong. And what you said about let's just let the court process play itself out. Let's hear the facts as they are. And then somebody's going to make a determination. And mm-hmm. that's how it has to be done. And you are absolutely right. Whether it's Kevin O'Leary's wife or it's, you know, Joe Schmo or Miss Schmo who doesn't have that much money, we have to give the same amount of respect and integrity to the process. So, you sure, know, I'm and on the, the fence ar- about... Go ahead. Yeah. No, you're no, on the fence about what? I'm on the fence about cameras. I, I think I could be convinced if we could do it in a conservative manner so we maintain the integrity of the process. Yeah, and also I think we have to, you know, uh, really punctuate. This is a case where both uh, parties have access to good lawyers. I mean, we're not dealing with uh, one group of people that don't have, you know, a... a the, the money to hire a good lawyer. So it's not like it, there's no David and Goliath story here. The You're story, right. Yeah, we'll be tried in court. I mean, they live in, they got cottages on Lake Joe. Hello. Everybody's yeah. got some cash there. Um, Joe, let's turn our attention before I get out of here, because this is really why I wanted to talk to you. Yeah. Um, this uh, 40-year-old man arrested in Hamilton, this is such a concerning story. And it's being yeah. investigated as a hate crime after a Muslim mother and her daughter, they were wearing their hijabs. They faced slurs. They were crossing a parking lot. This guy pulls up, yells at them, horrible things. He actually chases them. They, they ran into some bushes to get away from them. They were terrified. Um, he uttered threats toward the mother and daughter, saying he was going to, I believe, the threats uh, were uh, threats to their lives and their personal safety. This is a very disconcerting story. Now, um, Andrew Horvath has spoken out about it, and several other uh, advocates, especially for, in the Muslim community, have spoken out about this. I know that the federal government is has announced that there will be an emergency national summit on uh, Islam- Islamophobia on July the 22nd. This is after that horrible, tragic case um, of that family being run down and killed in London. Yeah. What, you know, what, my question is, when I read these stories— so the man has been arrested uh, for a hate crime in Hamilton. Uh, hate to me is hate. Should we be uh, qualifying the degree of hate crime based on what motivates it? Well, I think, you know, we've come to a point now where there are groups in our society being targeted specifically because of their religion and, uh, you know, what religious garb they're wearing, where I think it's appropriate to speak out and say, uh, this is hate motivated. We've seen certain crimes that are motivated by this, you know, you know for example, Manassian with the incel and targeting women. I think we have to come out and expose the disgusting hatred that exists against identifiable groups. We're seeing rise in Islamophobia. We've seen a rise in anti-Semitism and certainly anti-Semitic crimes. And um, it's it's just bad. I, I'm not worried about labeling certain things hate crime. I just want to make sure we're mm. we're careful about it because sometimes people do stuff because they're just nuts and it's not necessarily motivated out of hate of a particular group or a religious or ideological uh, thing. But I do think we have to call it out for what it is because we're seeing a rise 
in this type of behavior in a country where we are generally inclusive and have been, you know, sort of a beacon in the world for, you know, welcoming people from all backgrounds. So it does worry me. What what qualifies as a hate crime, Joe? Is that a, it's a really, like, I know that's a pretty broad question, but... Well, you know, when when you're specifically targeting an individual and committing an offense against them because of their race or religion or ideological beliefs. So if you're Muslim, for example, and you want to run them over because they're Muslim, that's a hate crime. If you want to beat somebody up because there's a religious Jew wearing a uh, a yarmulke, that's a hate crime. You know, if it's if it's somebody who's of an indigenous background and, and you're doing the same thing, they're hate crimes. So if but it's it not is, just va- based on race, isn't it also based on sexual identifiers or things oh, like that? Yeah, it, absolutely. Yeah. So or gender background. So if it's right. gay, people of, you know, it, 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 it's it's across the board. So, you know, we've seen crimes against individuals from the LGBT community. That's yeah. also a hate crime. I, I, I didn't so, want to exclude them. But yeah, how do you well, classify and rank the severity of hate crimes in Canada? I mean, can this be done objectively if we're dividing them all into different little groups? Shouldn't it all just be hate crime? Yeah, I just think we again, we have to be careful because then it'll it'll get too easy to label certain things a hate crime. OK. Um, and, you know. If it if it's something that involves a, a person who's a female, it's a hate crime. You know, how far do we go? I think we have to still keep with the categories we have. And I agree with your argument that hate is still hate. And many of these crimes are committed just because people don't like someone or a group of people, and it's still wrong. So I don't think we have to over-categorize. I don't think we have to use it over-broadly. I think we have to make sure that we're still judicious about what we truly label a hate crime just so we are identifying what are the proper facts underlying the foundation of that allegation, in my opinion. But a lot of crime is just bad, period. Yeah, I want to thank you. You're an invaluable asset to this show. I just, I thank you for giving us time whenever you do, and it's been a really interesting talk with you today. Oh, thank you. I love coming on your show. Thank you so much. Have a great day, Joseph Newberger, 640 Toronto, a legal analyst.